Welcome to the Corporate Legal Ops Consortium podcast, where we dive deep into conversations with technology and legal ops thought leaders from across the ecosystem. This is Clock Talk. I'm your host, Jen McCarran. I'm on the board of directors at Clock, and I lead the Netflix legal operations and technology team. On this episode, we're getting into my LinkedIn DMs. Yes, there are many, and I'm humbled by how many of you seek my advice on how to do this thing we call legal ops and transformation. One DM stood out recently, and that was from Marie Widmer. Marie is Senior Legal Ops Manager over at HubSpot. She's also a speaker and frequent content creator all over our community with Level 7 Legal. Our DM quickly went to a live combo, And about a minute into that combo, I knew this had to come onto the podcast because Marie and I started digging for root causes on two things I think about a lot. Number one, why we sometimes fail at implementing things. Answer, are we designing solutions that are too far into the future and that leave our stakeholders behind? And number two, why so many legal ops folks in our industry are looking for new roles. Sure, the market for legal ops roles has been growing, But I have a theory that our discontent is growing faster than the market, and we're quitting our amazing current roles before the transformation miracle. Answer, Marie and I speak a lot about slowing down and enjoying the scenery. This combo was really fun for me because I felt like I was being mentored in the end. Mentorship's funny like that. It could be a great teacher for all, if you're teachable. Mentorship moment starring Marie Widmer. Enjoy. Marie, this is so cool. Welcome, welcome. Happy to be here. Can we talk about why we're here and where did we come from? Yes. So you reached out to me on LinkedIn a few weeks ago and you said, hey, you should join this WhatsApp group. And you and I never spoke ever. And then I hit you up for feedback on other things as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I joined this cool WhatsApp group you put together and we're all vibing in there about Clock Global Institute 2023. Who's going to Vegas? Who's going on a hike? Who likes athletic socks? And then you reached out again and you're like, Psst, listen, DMs, LinkedIn. Can we talk? Tell me again the topic that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, so... I'm just going through launching some new programs at HubSpot. One of them, of course, is contracts management, but also spend management. And I think one of the reasons I reached out to you was I've been in legal ops for you know a short number of years. And one of the things that always haunts me in the back of my brain is, am I doing enough when I roll out a program for the team? Am I doing the right thing? Is there something that someone out there is doing better than me? So that's why I reached out to you because I wanted to make sure that whatever program I deliver is going to be best in class and then I'm delivering the same quality that you're giving at Netflix. So <laughs> and then TLDR, we jumped on a call a few days later and I was like, do less, <laughs> do it better. And that's our mentorship moment. Thanks. No, I'm just kidding. But remind me how and our audience, how many years have you been in legal ops? Like in it? Three to four is like the deep in legal ops. So just scratching the surface really. You are just scratching the surface. I'm so glad you reached out and that we jumped on live because even speaking about my journey with spend management, starring lawyers who used to be at firms and are now in-house at fast moving companies like Spotify and Netflix, which I imagine HubSpot is similar. It's just 
flying fast tech company, Bay Area, hyper growth. It just helped put things in perspective for me, even when we talked. Yeah, we all need to move a lot slower than we think we do. And that's the kind of information like you can't get in a guide or from a template or from a best practices webinar, right? You have to be able to have those peer conversations and get that honest feedback. A lot of like these white papers and the webinars are just saying a lot of best practice things all the time. And I think I've done this too. You and I talked about how we jump to the super future state in our minds. We're legal ops folks. Our job is to see the future and know the best practice. And we jump there and then we, <laughs> then we measure the distance from there back to maybe the lawyers or the time approvers in your e-billing system, your spend managers. And we go, oh my God, how far does that feel for you distance wise? It can be such a disappointing exercise sometimes because I spend the beginning of a project getting to map out all the benefits that the team is going to have and all the kind of wins that I'm going to get to collect and the future state and I visualize it. And then, yeah, you have to walk back and think about change management, fixing poor processes, dealing with turnover. There's just all these human factors that come in. And every time a new one comes in, it moves the timeline back. So it is hard. You already have a taste of what things could be. And then you kind of have to readjust to the idea that it could be a year away, three years away, five years away. And that can be a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. And is it a hard pill to swallow? And then once you swallow it, you go, oh, wait, okay, let's take a little bit longer road and enjoy this journey and then see what even happens on the road. Exactly. What if we wind up somewhere better and I don't know, more fit for our folks in legal and more fit for the actual businesses we're in? And what if that's over there? It's a different kind of Oz. Maybe it doesn't look like the Oz we read about in the white papers. I just feel like we're all out on LinkedIn and webinars. Like mouth, 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 go, go, go. Guidelines. Yeah. And then we all go into our roles and we're like, crap, what? And then I started asking you for advice and insight on our call, which was, and I think this topic's kind of related. I was asking you, why do you think so many people are on the list for wants a new legal ops job? And I was asking your thoughts, like, is something wrong with us? Is there an endemic in our peer group of legal professionals, legal ops professionals, that they're not sitting still in their jobs and everyone needs to jump? Do you remember me asking you that question? And it kind of ties into the advice you were giving me about spend management, which was like, slow down, look at the scenery, kind of shift your perspective to thinking of it as an opportunity to iterate and improve instead of a failure to launch. And I think mismanaged expectations on both sides of the house, right? On the employer and the employee side are the reason why there's such turnover in legal ops. Because new legal ops people, I mean, most of us come into the role with little to no experience and we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants. And we do kind of get this false sense from the white papers and the tech companies that you're going to be able to go in and make change right away. And when it doesn't happen, you feel these feelings of like, okay, so maybe I'm just a loser and everyone else got it right. Or I was lied to. My CLM provider lied to me. So there's like these different feelings of failure and anger. And then also, you do kind of have to sell the programs to your employer, right? You have to say, if you let me buy this CLM, or if you let me do spend management, I'm going to save you all this money. I'm going to 
give you all these efficiencies. And then what happens is when it doesn't happen the day after the tool is launched, your employer might also feel mismanaged expectations in the sense that like, oh, I'm not seeing a reduction in my workload. So like maybe I made a bad hire and then they lay you off. So I've learned, like you said, with slowing down and then also just, I didn't have KPI experience coming in. So I didn't know that you kind of have to manage your manager when it comes to understanding what it actually means to be successful in a legal ops role. And if you don't do that, they will set you on fire and push you off the balcony because in their mind, you've made a lot of promises and didn't keep them. (laughs) That's so interesting. The KPI, the key performance indicator, you're talking about, okay, I'm going to put in a solution or here's like a strategy roadmap item. Here's how we measure success with that. The solution will help at least 100 people in the first month. We'll do at least two workflows that saves some time off a drafting process of an NDA. I'm just making up some of our classics. Is that what you meant by KPI? Like you didn't have that in a KPI framework in your head when you walked into some role you're referencing? Yeah. I mean, I didn't know. I'm still a baby in legal ops. But when I first joined, I'd come from law firms and there's no KPIs in law firms. So when I joined and I was doing like a CLM or doing kind of SOPs and talking to them about the benefits that I was going to sell to them, I didn't know to follow through and say, okay, but we're only going to have like a 10% increase in efficiency this year. And then next year, it'll be 30. And I didn't manage expectations. And that led to a lot of heartbreak. It's like you went in. I was just reading about this somewhere on LinkedIn. It's like you went in and like had a vision for, hey, it is obvious this legal group needs a contract lifecycle management solution. Makes a lot of sense. A lot of legal people crank out a lot of contracts in transactional-like environments. So you had the vision and the big rock and you were like, good? And they were like, good. And KPI is like, now I'm going to bring it back to now and next and what that looks like and what success looks like day one, day 30, day 60, day 100, and in a measurement format like we all talk about with objectives. KPIs, I think of objectives and key results a lot too. And KPIs all in the same vein. These are frameworks for measuring stuff. So it's like you didn't have that part of the story following it up or you didn't know you needed to. And It sounds like you're seeing that more now. You learned. I learned from my peers kind of because I was put in that position where my manager came to me in that first role and kind of said, I know you've been working, but I just don't see what you've done. And that was heartbreaking feedback to receive. So that kind of prompted me three years ago to really start pinging all these legal ops people and kind of saying, can I have a call with you? Can I buy you a coffee? You know, I feel like I'm a failure. But am I actually? And in doing that over the last couple of years, I have learned and been able to take that feedback. And I'm never going to stop doing it because I feel like every time you improve, someone else has figured out a better way to do it. So you just start all over again (laughs) with the cycle, which is fun. It leads to fun group chats like we have too. I think it's this mix of community support and also getting that feedback so I can do my job better. I love this. And I really appreciate you just boldly sharing your experience here in those opening years, opening roles of legal ops work, because so many people are new to this field. So many people are in this conversion from paralegal slash, and now they're making me legal ops part-time to full-time. And you don't learn those things even as a paralegal. Paralegal has a different work plate. I imagine it's like you're drafting a thing 
and or like workflowing the thing across the finish line in support of a legal practice area. And that's not KPI driven or measurements driven. They're working in tandem with team to get a lot of stuff done. It's all reactive. There was no proactive work for me in law firms. It was like, this demand needs to be sent out. This discovery needs to be drafted. Deadline, deadline, deadline. That's why I love ops now because I have a chance to make an impact and improve the way things are done. But I did find when I joined the legal ops community that people were in private at social events talking about their failures and their struggles. But then you log on to LinkedIn and it just seems like everything's perfect. And I think I want to promote the opposite of that, which is that like, you can be a mess and still do a good job. <laughs> yes. I love this. I, this is why our convo was so impactful for me because I was basically saying, look, I'm a mess, but I'm confident. And I embrace the mess and the zigs and the zags of it, but somehow draw a line to keep going through. There's a through line. And I work really hard to tell the story, the big vision story, and then that tactical story. And I don't know, they keep me around. They like it for now. And (laughs) I'm on a few tours. I'm a few tours ahead of you in legal ops roles. And I think it's one of the most fascinating, mesmerizing careers ever. If you can flip this script on yourself and just be in the journey and almost forget about the destinations of the big rock solution. I mean, sure, you have to deliver a solution, but you have to be in the journey points and be able to articulate those like you were saying and sell and tell and show people. This tool is impactful. This tool is going to save that company millions or accelerate work. And I'm worried for people out there that they're going to all run out of gas not being able to draw that through line. There's a dissonance of the confidence of LinkedIn posts. So yeah, I really identified. I was like, hey, I'm a mess. Go really slow and like make it inches, inches. Your mindset really helped me too. Because that day, it is hard to go through that where you feel like your program is having setbacks and having that conversation with you and kind of hearing that you did slow roll things in some cases and then it paid off in the long run. That really helps calm me down too and think, okay, like it's not the end of the world if they don't want to follow my billing guidelines right now. We'll get there. But it is hard, especially legal ops. You come into legal ops a lot of cases from the legal industry and that industry doesn't have room for iteration. They think they don't, but we all do as people have that room. And so it's trying to bring in that, I guess it's like a spirit or a mindset into any setting. We were talking a lot about Lawyers who came over from the firm, jumped into in-house roles in these fun hyper-growth environments, and they were looking at your super future kind of vision of, say, billing guidelines and spend management and going, huh? What? Huh? And I told you the story of how I did this recently with similar-minded folks and how in the beginning of the journey with them... I was jumping a little hard on like, you know, I could do this. And they were like, yeah, no. They were like, I don't care. But they're like, see you next week in our sink. And we kept coming back to the sink. And I scrapped that idea and was like, I'll back burner it. Let's just talk about other things, building a partnership, building trust, hearing one another, learning each other's language. Like I or a person on my team might not know the lawyer's love language of getting stuff done and what they care about. And fast forward, a relationship was built over years and there are billing guidelines in now that fit, that actually fit the business we're in. It's not a clock format. I did not download 
the billing guidelines somebody posted in those forums and stick them in front of anyone. That's like a fast track to no. I'm going through that now. So, you know, I rolled out the first iteration just to get the ball going. And they were anxious to get the savings because that's how we presented it. We can save you a lot of money. And they said, oh, turn it on, turn the rules on. And then the minute we did, car crashed into the bridge. <laughs> really? Well, what happened? I mean, sure, you experienced this too. Firms that go from never having their invoices audited to having them audited and hearing that their bill got rejected, that's a tough blow for them to take. And it can disrupt that relationship. And I think what I realized is the lawyers on our team have a lot of, and any team have a lot of fears, right? They fear we're going to ruin their relationship with their outside counsel. We don't understand what they do. So we're applying arbitrary rules that don't apply to them. We'll potentially slow them down. So if they have like urgent matters, the law firm will stop working to the same quality or speed because we're taking their money away. So there were all those things. So now what we're doing is we've gone back and we've built three different versions of the guidelines and the program and we're representing it to the team and the leads and everything and making sure that I get like an interactive sign-off from everyone on the team. And we talk about all the hypotheticals, which is what lawyers love to do, right? They love to know that you listen to their hypotheticals and we did the risk analysis and we played the game. And it'll be good because at the end of it, I think I'm going to be a better ops person for it. Even if at the time that it was happening. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) OMG. Tell me again what you named the versions or the options rather that you put out in front of them. Yeah. So mild, hot, and spicy are the versions and we have them color coded too. Like deep red. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I was thinking of the packets at Taco Bell and the peppers scale. That's brilliant. And so that's such a relatable graphic mnemonic. I love it. I love everything you just said. Instead of just presenting them a block of this one solution and hi, I'm Marie and it's this or bust. You started to feel, I don't know, a lot of pushback from that, the doubt you were listening, hearing their skepticism and then going, ah, okay, am I going to fail? Maybe. Let me pull this back, give them optionality and take a more gradual approach. That's it. That is it. The answer to all of our work is take a step back, come up with options and put them back in front of them and let them choose, pick, debate, hypothetical and take you on the journey too. It's not just you one way communicating. We got to listen back. I never even put cost savings in front of them for billing guidelines. I had to sell on even broader things like you will get better data. That was my big sell. You will get data that will help you engage your law firms, your friends over there, your counterparts, and make better decisions for Netflix. I was making them the hero. And I think we sold them a little bit on better data, a little bit of hygiene, but we won't play gotcha. We won't ding the firms. We're going to encourage firms to partner with us on the future, on iterating, on innovating, on how billing goes. What blows my mind is that law firms will turn it on for them. It'll not be on for them. It'll be on for them. It'll be on for them. So we kind of prayed on that and said, just do the right thing, law firms. I think that's one of the things I've been telling my team too, is you only get what you ask for. And we're here to help you ask. You only get what you ask for. I agree with you though. We are in service to the team. We have to act on the best interest of the team, whatever it is at the time. And we have to be the ones that are vulnerable and are coming to the table and saying like, 
I really wanted this and I'm okay to meet you halfway, more than halfway, but this is how I feel. And and it's just kind of like the same narrative behind if you're new in legal ops and trying to network and get information from your peers, you need to kind of have that same vulnerability. That's gotten me farther in my career than anything else I've done. And unfortunately, there's really no formal training programs to become a great legal ops manager right now. You really have to lean. I thought you were going to say there's no formal training programs for vulnerability. And there actually are. And it's not MBA school, people. All right. That's like my other favorite topic. Whoever's putting out these surveys and these comp surveys and they're like, get an MBA and you're likely to make more money. It's like, not true. I don't care what 220 respondents said. I've been doing a lot of my own EQ homework. Oh, tell me about this. Yeah. So like Brene Brown or Diary of a CEO, or there's psychologists that talk about communication, managing conflict. It's something that my director at HubSpot does. She sends us podcasts about how to de-escalate conflict, how not to take things personally, really honing in on it. Basically, just you need to invest in your mental health on the side. Because in order to do this job, you really have to be the one on the team who's the most mentally resilient. It does require a lot of emotional bandwidth, a lot of resilience, a lot of vulnerability. Otherwise, you will just get eaten. You'll get eaten. I mean, I feel like that's where our combo started is you were a little bit like, hello, you don't know me, but I'm being eaten. And I was like, I've been eaten and spit out the other side covered in brown. And I'm here to tell you, I just went back into the soil and came back to life. But seriously, going through and coming out the other side is what you came to me on. And I'm like, yeah, die a million deaths and come back smarter. And these kinds of skills, EQ and having the moves, the choreography to move through that and let this lawyer kind of cut you up after you present something the wrong way, not to their liking, let them cut you up and go away and go, oh, like I cried at least three times in my first five years in legal ops, like at work. Like I had an official like, hi, BRB and put my head in my hands and just went at this moment. I frequently have to just shut my computer, put my headphones on and go take my like little hot girl walk until I'm not thinking about slacking angry messages to people anymore. And then I come back and I'm like, okay, team, (laughs) like, let's go. (laughs) But I will say if anyone is in the legal ops community and is not having these conversations, please start because it's been instrumental to helping me kind of resolve some of my issues with that, with the not taking work home at the end of the day and not feeling alone and wanting to quit and move to another job. Because I think I was in that cycle of it's either me or the employer. It was somebody's fault every time and I wasn't doing the work on myself. And now that I'm doing the work on myself and I'm being vulnerable with my team and my boss, I'm seeing the ability to stay somewhere longer because they're invested in my growth and I'm invested in my growth. And it's not perfect, but it is working. It's not perfect, but it's working and investing in somewhere longer. It's like when you look and find you're the common denominator in a few situations, it's like, let me take a deeper look at this. And we talked about that on our chat the other week. I was like, just sit still at one company and try to longitudinally learn and take any of these moments and pick yourself apart to learn how to meet your legal stakeholder that maybe it's that former litigator at a firm now working with you, how to meet them where they are, which I'm obsessed with. That's like real EQ too, is you're not just listening going, I sympathize. I feel it too. Like you're here and they're all the way over there and you're walking right next to them, meeting them where they are. And they feel like a person feels that that's real empathy. 
I didn't realize how much I was doing that in my early years in legal ops. I'm an extremely empathetic person, which also can mean when it's a full moon, like right now, I'm a raw nerve. Okay. Raw nerve. And I cannot be in the office today. I'm not in the office. I am walking around New York City eating carbs and joining clock calls and saying really ridiculous things. And they're like, ah, thank you for your input, Jen. They like it. They know it's my day off. It's Passover. It's my day off. It's good to be transparent about that. One of the things that I do on my team is I really encourage and my director encourages that kind of, if you want to comment on our internal channel and say like, I'm tired and my coffee didn't work and I don't want to be here today. That's okay. We don't have to be positive every day. And if you don't want to have any meetings today because you're overstimulated and you're angry about something, that's fine. 100% doesn't look the same every day. It's better for us to know than for you to hold on to any feeling of they don't get me. I'm angry. I hate this job kind of thing. Yeah. Because those statements you just said, those are my worst nightmare for any one of us at work. And I hear it sometimes from people and I do so much work to never get to that state. I went to that state once in a former role. I let it all pile on and I was pretty toxic too. I was just like, ah, and my wife sits me down one night and she goes, I will pay you to resign from this role. She's like, I'll just write you a check right now. Because she knew numbers spoke to me. And I was like, wow, my wife is trying to bribe me to quit my job. That's how bad... I was like, I need to fix this. And I did. And I flipped the formula around into something else and worked on myself, worked on aspects of changed my approach to certain areas of the work. So I wasn't just butting my head into a wall. And look, like that wasn't that long ago for me. So it's a journey. Well, Marie, I feel like we rehashed this combo and I'm getting advice from you. So the whole script flipped and I just enjoy hearing your learning process here. My mind's blown. This is so cool. And I've enjoyed your advice and you sharing your experiences too. You know, I think that's one of the things about the legal ops community that I just haven't found anywhere else is that you have so many things going on in your day. There's a million reasons why you could have just ignored my LinkedIn message. You had no reason to respond and yet you did. And I think that's the theme I've seen is that everyone is accessible and everyone is generous with their experiences and their feelings and their time. And in my experience, you can't get that anywhere else. So I really appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, more on all of this soon. I think you and I will have future combos and collabs or socks or things to do together, things to make together. Clock socks. (laughs) I'm obsessed with socks and uh, we're going to try to see if we can get clock talk socks. Gucci's doing them. I want the tube socks up to my shin that when I wear them to the gym, Haley Bieber will come over to me and be like, nice socks. (laughs) Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you. (laughs) That about wraps up this episode of Clock Talk. Thank you, Marie, for your DM and your vulnerability. You can catch this in all episodes of Clock Talk anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Until next time, 